Welcome to the Time Has Come podcast. My name is Graham Wardle, and I'm really excited to have you guys with me here today. I know many of you are excited to finally have Amber Marshall on the show with me, so I think you're going to enjoy this episode. We had a lot of fun, and we told some stories about the early days of Heartland, and I asked her a bunch of my favorite questions and really dug deep into who Amber Marshall is as a person. For those of you who don't know who she is, she's an actress, an entrepreneur, a businesswoman, a producer, and I've been working with her for the past 14 years on the CBC show called Heartland. She has her own clothing line and her own jewelry line as well. And one of my favorite things about our conversation was when we really dived into her worldview and how spending time with her animals really informs how she sees the world. And the more we talked about it, the more I saw the wisdom in just being present with life and how she is present with her animals and out in nature and that informs her and empowers her. And I'm really excited to share this conversation with you because I got so much out of it. So the time has come for us all to welcome Amber Marshall. Amber, how are you doing today? I'm doing so great and thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. Awesome. Well, it's, it's, I'm very happy that you're here. And I just wanted to start out our podcast by telling a story about one of my first memories of Amber Marshall. So back in season one, we were doing some, you know, reviewing the new scripts that had come out or whatever. And we'd finished and I went to the bathroom or something and then I came back and you were gone. And this was at the townhouse that I was renting in Calgary. And I was like looking around, I was like, where'd Amber go? And the back door was open and you were sitting up on the garage roof. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> That's when you lived um, on Memorial Drive, Memorial Drive. Right across from the river, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And so I looked up at you and I was like, what are you doing on the garage roof? <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, I don't know. I just wanted to play. Up. I, I don't know what, what your answer was. Yeah, it was something like I just wanted I, to explore. You know, I always, and I still I still do as an adult, but especially as a teenager, I, I would always sit up on my roof in my parents' house. And I just love exploring. And I think that that's something you and I have in common. You know, yeah. sometimes we're exploring for different reasons and we're exploring different things. But um, I just, I enjoy different points of view. And I feel like ah. uh, everyone stands on the balcony. So when you climb up on the roof, you have a different... <laughs> Do you remember how you got up there? Uh, I was a monkey. I still You just am. like climbed up the side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, okay. I think a lot of people limit themselves because they think, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. But when you think outside the box and you think, you know, I'm going to go sit up on the roof, there's not a question of, uh, well, I can't get up there. It's a question of how, how do I get up am there? I get up well, there? it's so much like the movies too. Like in the movies, the kid would always climb out the window and sit on mm -hmm. the roof. When I was a child, I never had that opportunity to climb on my roof. So I remember when I saw you up there, I was like, oh my God, it's so dangerous. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> how did you get up there? <laughs> so you've always been an adventurous soul from a, from a childhood yeah, age. Yeah, like I was the tree climbing kid. I was always the kid that would look at a tree and say, okay, how can I get to the yeah. very top of that tree? Yeah. And that's just who I am, I think, in life because I'm continually doing that now too. Yeah, now you grew, you grew up in London, Ontario. Mm -hmm. Did you grow up in like suburbia? Were you on a lot of land or? Yeah, I, I actually grew up in the city of London, which yeah. is a fairly large city, I think 300,000 or so. And, but I was lucky enough to be right on the outskirts of town. And I always had animals and horses in my life. So from when I was very young, my parents took me out to a farm and I rode horses. So I had that right in my backyard, so to speak. And my granny lived right on the back of a, a big ravine. So there was a forest there with a pond. And I spent a lot of time at her house as a child. And I was able to go down into the forest and, you know, find snakes and 
fish and frogs uh, yeah, and all yeah. kinds of things. And I think that I, I was always exploring from a very young age. I didn't want to be in the house. I wanted to be outside. I wanted to see what I could find, what I could bring home. And just uh, that's really how I, I learned a lot of the life lessons that I did. And mm-hmm. being five years older than my brother, there's just the two of us. So I was technically an only child for a large part of my youth. And so I think I learned a lot from that because I was always exploring on my own because I didn't have a sibling. You know, I wasn't, you're from a big family. You always had a brother or sister to hang out with, right? You never knew any different. Well, for me, I learned how to play on my own. And I think in that learning, I was able to go and explore and, and find things to occupy my time and mm. just things to, to go on an adventure by myself. And I continue to do that in my adult life. You know, yeah. I lo- that's one of my favorite things is just going for a solo walk in the field or going out and, and being with my animals because that's kind of what's always grounded me from the beginning of time. And it's shaped a lot of who you are as a person, at least from my perspective, because the way you think is very different. You don't watch a lot of you know TV, so mm-hmm. to speak. And you're out with your animals, you're out in nature and you're watching nature. That's something we had in a pre, uh, we were saying, uh, you were saying to me in a previous conversation about you sit out and you watch the horses interact. You watch mm-hmm. life in the real world interact and that is your stories. Those are the stories that you like to expose yourself to. Is that mm-hmm. how you center yourself is by being out in nature with animals? A hundred percent. I feel like animals are so subtle in how they communicate And we can learn so much from that because humans are the exact opposite. Humans are extremely vocal in how they feel and and our moods and, you know, the, the opinions we have where animals have opinions. Animals, a lot of people think, oh, animals don't judge. Animals are continually judging all of us, but in a different way. Mm. Animals judge your character. Animals judge what's on the inside. Whereas humans... Like your energy, like your frequency kind of thing. Animals are continually looking at you saying, okay, what are your intentions? Are you going to harm me? Are you here to feed me? Are you here to love me? You know, what what am I going to get from you? And humans are very contrasting to that you know humans yeah. are they can be there are also humans true. that can communicate in those subtler ways like animals but you, you're true. right on the most part for the most part, the most part i feel like humans are are judging by what you're wearing you know what uh you look like mm-hmm. and so that's something that can be very harmful too and mm-hmm. i think that's why i get so much peace and contentment being around animals because they're just there to be with you and to be present and just to know, you know, what are your intentions? And if they're for the good, then I'm, I'm happy to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. They feel safe mm-hmm. and they, they want to be around you. That's something that I know when I feel grounded and I feel very calm, I find animals are much more uh, attracted to be around mm-hmm. me as opposed to if I'm stressed out, yes. they kind of kind of just give me some space. <laughs> so you spending time out in nature and, and witnessing animals and kind of using that as your focal point for your entertainment, mm-hmm. so to speak. It's almost like the anti-narrative because there is no story, but it's the ultimate story of life that you're mm-hmm. kind of, you know. Well, and it's unfolding in front of you. Yeah, it's and happening in real time. A lot of people, they, they look past it. You know, they don't realize really what's going on and they don't see that narrative. And for myself, you know, it, 
it depends on your mood as well because you can see a different narrative depending on the mood you're in. Oh, so, your your state of being. Yeah, because ah, yeah, everything yeah, yeah. around you reacts to how you're feeling. So just like you were saying, mm. you know, if you're stressed out or uh, animals react to that. Mm. So if you're in a state where sometimes, you know, I'll come home after a long day, I'll be really stressed out and I just go and and a lot of times I find myself in the chicken coop, which is kind of a bizarre place to be, but I find that it's your happy place. It is my happy place <laughs> because it's and and I love my horses as well. I love sitting out with my horses, but the chickens they have so much comedy with them, and I think when you have had a very hectic day, you can just sit down and even their sounds of them cooing and and just communicating with each other mm. is it's almost calming in a way, but it's also just quite light. And mm. it, it's that, you know, some people come home from a busy day and they just want to watch a comedy on TV. Yeah. That's my way, way of, of doing unwinding. Yeah, is yeah, just yeah. And, and I have different animals bring me different feelings and different. So, Oh really? Of course. So like, what do the chickens give you? So they give me that humor, that comedy, that, oh, really? that, that peacefulness. Whereas horses, it's a, different narrative horses I will sit there and and yes sometimes there's comedy you know and they're they're chasing each other or they're swatting flies and things like that but it's it's more of a um an understanding it's more of a them trying to and we have to look at at the way animals are too you know some animals are flight animals some animals are fight animals yeah yeah and so that resonates with how they react to humans so horses of course are a prey animal so their first instinct is to flee to run so if something happens that's what they were developed and designed to do is to get out of there and so you have to be so calm when you're around them and you have to be in that place of peace in order to really experience their true nature Mm. otherwise they're on edge whereas chickens and now chickens are a prey animal as well but in a very different way yeah and I feel like when I just sit in the chicken coop, it's you can't think about anything other than what they're doing in that moment. And, you know, they'll find they'll get on the trail of a fly and all of the chickens will be like 20 chickens that try and attack one fly and they're all pecking at each <laughs> other. And it's just this moment of going, you know, OK, now I feel I feel grounded and I, I feel content. And then on the other side of thing, things, there's dogs and dogs, I would say, are my um, favorite animal if I could pick one. And dogs are so loyal and there's a a different communication or feeling when I'm around a dog and and dogs of course are, they're not the prey animal. So their instinct is to fight, not to flight. And so when I'm hanging out with dogs, it's more of a uh, partnership, I want to say. And I'm not saying that I don't have that with horses, but it's in a different way. Different way. Yeah. When I'm out walking with my dog, I feel that we're in this together. And it's this, just this mutual understanding Mm. and we're on an adventure together. Mm. And when I ride my horse, I do believe that we're on an adventure together too, but I feel like I'm leading the adventure. Mm. Whereas when I'm with a dog, I feel like we're on that path together. If that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. What I love about this is it's so interesting to learn from you how being around animals is a, it's like, from what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like a cleansing for Mm -hmm. you and there's a relationship and it's subtly different in each way, but they each give you something that is healing or balancing or cleansing for you that is helpful for you Mm -hmm. in your life. Well, and I feel like we as humans, 
we have different relationships in our lives that bring us those different things as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll have the friend that's just always the funny guy and the jokester, uh, the yeah. jokester, and they always make you laugh in any yeah. situation. You'll have the serious friend that you know you can sit down and talk to about a pressing matter. You know, you have the friends that you can trust with your life, and then the friends that you just go out and have a good time with. So, yeah. I I kind of relate that to all the animals in my life. They each have their own um, purpose, and and in a way, I feel like you know. They give me just as much as I give them, and them probably giving me more so. And I, I just think that that's, that's what life's about, is mm-hmm. that give and take and understanding and communication and respect overall. I love that. And that's kind of been your passion, your gift to the world, is that sort of bringing of that connection. And, you know, you have your magazine, you have your, your social media and stuff, and you're always focused on that relationship, on your animals, on connecting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a beautiful gift to give people because we are becoming less and less connected to our natural world around us. So when you look at uh, the younger generation coming up today, being attached to their phones and such, I'm assuming that that's what you are trying to share with them is like, hey, connect with the natural world. Mm -hmm. And that's why you post that kind of stuff online. And that's why your magazine is about animals and connecting with them. Did this always, was this always a part of your life? Were you always uh, have this strong relationship with animals? I know you worked as a Mm -hmm. veterinary assistant Mm -hmm. for a while. You know, ever since I can remember, I gravitated towards animals above people. And we talked about the fact that I was an only child for five years. And I think in my home, we had dogs and cats, and I was very lucky to be surrounded by many different animals my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so those were my playmates. And it's funny because I was not, uh, I had a lot of uh, girls my age that lived on my street, and they would come knocking with their Barbies and their dolls and things like that. And I remember always just saying, No, I'm good. And like, my mom's <laughs> like, No, 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 go out and play with them. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to play with dolls. And I, from the very, uh, you know, moment of my existence, it just wasn't what I wanted. I felt way more at home being in the backyard. Uh, I had a little vegetable garden and I would pretend my dogs were wolves. And then I was living out in the middle of nowhere with my vegetable garden. And I wanted to do that as opposed to, you know, sitting in a basement playing with Barbies. That just it didn't call to me in any way. And so, I don't know, this, this solo quest, in a way, kind of started early on for me. And, and I, I, I love being around people as well. And I think I'm a Gemini, and I always say I'm very much the sign of twins, because there's a part of me that craves this industry that we're in where, you know, we're working very closely with a lot of different people. And it's, you know, I'll go on um, a signing or a tour, and I will have all kinds of people around me all day long, and it's very hectic. But then I can go stay out in the hills for long periods of time and not see anyone and just be around animals and be totally satisfied as well. So I definitely, I am my birth sign of of Gemini and I do have those two sides. And I think both are equally needed for me. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was to go and live off in the mountains my whole life, I don't think I would be happy doing that. I need to have the, the two worlds. Yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm that way too. I'm like, I like being out. I like my alone time. I like being out in nature. And then there reaches a point where I'm like, okay, now I need to go into the city and like mm. experience chaos yeah. and like, you know, get stuck in traffic and drive faster because everybody's <laughs> in a rush. And I don't know if I need that. <laughs> yeah, I don't really need that, <laughs> but it's, I like the change of pace. I like right. the change of pace and, and, and knowing that I can still speed up, you know, and run around. And then I'm finding over time, I want to spend less and less time. Mm-hmm. 
in those areas. Whereas before when I was younger, it was like, oh, it's exciting. Things are happening. You know, your buddies call you and they're going to this party around the, you know, the block or whatever. And you're like, okay, I'm going to meet you there in five minutes. That was exciting. And now I'm like, it, it's, it's interesting how my life has shifted and priorities have shifted as you grow older and things mm -hmm. become more important and other things become less important for yourself over these last 14 years of working on Heartland, I'm sure you have grown. I know you've grown from what I've, you know, I've known you for 14 years mm -hmm. and the, it's a long time. It's a long time. So from your perspective, what has been uh, major turning points for you over these 14 years of working on the show that have brought you more into yourself? I think one thing that is very interesting about the time period that the show existed was the fact that we were in our 20s, which I think is such a crucial time in anyone's life to kind of grow and understand themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in your teenage years, you're you're trying to figure out who you are and who you want to be, but you're not quite there yet. And then I feel like between 20 and 30, you're really establishing who you're going to be in life. That's for me anyway. So to be on a show and to have you know, your entire world revolve around what you're doing for work during mm -hmm. your 20s mm -hmm. and being, you know, and I was very, um, I didn't go out and party a lot. You know, I didn't, I took what I did very seriously. And I think you sure did <laughs> your binders and all your highlighting and your tabs. <laughs> okay, guys, for everyone listening, I got to cut in here. Sorry to interrupt you. This is a wonderful answer, but I have to throw this in here. When I first started working with Amber and I saw her script binder books, she had her script so perfectly laid out and everything was uh, highlighted all her lines and she had little sticky tabs with every little notes and stuff. I was like, Oh my God, I got to step up my game. <laughs> Anyways, I think sorry, everyone I functions to throw that in. differently too. No, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's sort of who I am. And it's interesting because everybody functions differently, but I'm the person that the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, even before I go to the bathroom is I make my bed and I have to, and mm. it's, it's, it's programmed into me and it's this, this routine. And, and yes, I am uh, a little OCD when it comes to certain things, but I like a, a program or a routine. And I feel like if I set up my day, I wake up, I make my bed. That's what I do before I leave my room. And I'm the same way with, with my work and, and that kind of thing. It's like, uh, this is, I like being structured, I guess, in some ways. And then some ways I don't like structure at all. So that's kind of a confusing answer when it comes down to it. But to go back to the the 14 years that we've been mm -hmm. on Heartland, mm -hmm. I started the show when I was 18 years old. Oh, yeah. And I was living with my parents like most 18-year-olds are. Did and your mom and dad come with you or your mom came with you to the pilot? Um, yeah, she came. It's funny. We Michael Weinberg, our producer, always says that uh, my mom didn't trust that this was a legit show. So she had to come <laughs> out because I wasn't a minor. You know, I could have come on my own. Yeah. But it was a big step for me. I'd never been out to, to Alberta. I'd also, you know, never really been on a trip away from my parents. And but my mom has always wanted to come out to Alberta for a trip. So this was kind that of was her, her excuse. excuse. Like, yeah, I could come out to Alberta. <laughs> um, but then I remember being like, Mom, I'm 18. Like mm -hmm. I, everybody else is out here by themselves. And like, I want to feel like part of the group. Uh, so she was just out for a short amount of time. And then she went back home because she's like, oh, yeah, I've got to let her spread her wings. Uh, but I think that, you know, being able to leave home at 18, move out across the country mm -hmm. to a place that you've never been to before, to meet people that you've never met before, to work on a project that you're all coming together to do something great is, it, first of all, it's an amazing opportunity for anyone, you know, and I'm so grateful for that because if this opportunity hadn't come 
my way. I don't see myself getting on a plane, flying mm-hmm. out to Alberta, finding an apartment, and doing that all on my my own. You know, I, I kind of needed that that push. Mm-hmm. But because that happened at 18 years old and the show kept propelling itself forward and I continued to stay in Alberta, it kind of carved a, a new road for me and one that I don't know I would have found otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time I was working as a, a veterinary assistant, like you mentioned, and I was in London living with my parents and I was driving to Toronto to go to auditions to maybe one day, you know, make it. And that's, that's the thing too, is a lot of people don't realize they just think, oh, this job just came to you type thing. But I had gone to hundreds Hundreds of auditions, hundreds. (laughs) And you know, when you think about like, if you said to anyone who's not in this industry, go to 100 job interviews and not feel bad about yourself after not getting Getting 100 of them there's no way and so I think as an actor we are just used to rejection in in some ways and then when you do finally get that golden ticket you finally get that dream job it it makes it all worth it and you forget about those hundreds of auditions that you went to before so I think the fact that Heartland came along at a time when I was trying to figure out who I wanted to be, mm-hmm. where I wanted to live, all those things that any 18-year-old is, is wondering. Thinking about, yeah. Uh, it came at a perfect time in my life, and it was so suited to who I am and who I wanted to be that it was so easy to take that path and to follow that role. Mm-hmm. Cool. And it's also shaped so much of who you are now. Like you moved mm-hmm. to Alberta. You said you love Alberta. You love being surrounded by the mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we were we were talking earlier before we started the podcast here about this idea of um, your your surroundings and the people around you influencing you, mm-hmm. but you also being attracted to people that are like minded. Yes, and that's something that um, I shared. I think I shared with Carrie. I can't remember who I was. Maybe it was on the podcast or not. We, we were talking about it where I had this thought about you know when I first came to Alberta. I thought everyone would be a certain way because I grew mm-hmm. up in BC, very right. left-leaning, very liberal. And then moving to Alberta, which I knew was very right-leaning, I, I assumed because of the narratives that I had heard on media and television and such that conservatives were a certain way. They were very <laughs> cold-hearted people that only cared about money and they were all about themselves. And uh, one of my favorite people that I've ever worked with uh, was one of the drivers, Dale Simpson, mm-hmm. on heartland and he was the kindest man he still sends me text messages Mm -hmm. all the time you know he caught a fish and he sends me this photo of him catching a fish and i remember when i first started you know getting rides from him how kind he was and i was like how is this guy so kind like why are people so nice here (laughs) i was like you know and it was breaking my narrative Mm -hmm. and it made me realize i was like you know what like there's programmed narratives and also there are you are influenced by the narratives around you. So if, if I was, you know, groping in Vancouver, the narratives around me were conservatives were this way. I didn't make that up for myself. It was, that mm-hmm. was just around me, you know? And then when I came out to Alberta to work on Heartland, I was like, oh my God, like people are different. And I, st- my narrative, my, my understanding of the world expanded. And then, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, you gravitate towards people that resonate more with, you know, your values or your ways that you want to live. And uh, I'm assuming that that is how, where you found yourself now or 14 years of being on this show, mm-hmm. you found your groove, you found your people, you found your... Well, yeah, because when I first started on the show, of course, Heartland rented me an apartment 
downtown Calgary. Yeah, you hated it. And I, it, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> it just wasn't me. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't feel. I remember the like day you home. moved out. You're like, I can't do it anymore. Well, and and all of the producers thought I was crazy, and they were yeah. like, We're here. Soon as you get lonely out there in the country, and you want to move back, we will move you back you into a so condo right away. And I'm like, You guys don't understand. <laughs> like, I finally feel at home. Yeah. And but that's the thing, right? We we gravitate to what feels right for us Mm -hmm. and I was I was brought out to Alberta from Heartland for for Heartland and I was set up in this beautiful condo in a great spot and that was great and for most people that would have been wonderful but I wanted something different I wanted to be out in the country I wanted to be where I felt like I could breathe and and you know everyone's different and and certain people they want to spend their weekends shopping or walking around downtown or or having that buzz of the city but for me that was all noise I didn't want any of that I wanted to be able to go and and walk in the field and and see the wildlife and like your childhood exactly yeah exactly bringing it back to that so I remember the moment that I moved out to the country and I was like oh I love Alberta like Mm. this is this is where I want to be and it was very shortly after that that I started looking for a place to buy because I said this is where I want to be and I was young I was 21 I believe when I I bought my my ranch out in Alberta and it it was a very rewarding moment because it was something that I felt like you know this this was the path that I was supposed to take and we all you know and you could feel it you You can really feel it and and I think that there are always opportunities that present themselves to us on a daily basis. And sometimes we go for them and sometimes we don't. And I think that when something feels right, you have to move towards it. And Amen. And it's a lot of people resist it because they don't know if that's what they're supposed to be doing. Mm. But for myself, I feel like your body kind of guides you. So if something doesn't feel right... You know, sometimes you can push through that and it's just your own insecurities saying, you know, I don't know, I'm unsure. But when something pulls you in with open arms, go for it. Mm-hmm. Because even if it's not something in the end that you continue to do, you know, if I had moved out in the country and then I decided six months later, you know, this isn't for me, then I can always move back to the city. But if I never had tried that, because I did, I grew up in the city and a lot of people don't realize that because people who follow me, Now on my social media pages, you know, they see that I live in the country and I have all these animals and I milk my cow and I gather my eggs and all of these things. But I was a city girl, you know, up until I was 20 years old. And these are things that were challenging. You know, I'm not going to say that learning about living on a farm was easy, but I enjoyed it. And it was very um, liberating in a way because it was all the things that I've always wanted to do but Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the opportunity to do when I was younger Mm -hmm. and so building that opportunity and allowing myself to talk with the neighbors and and like you said kind of join uh, groups of people that were like-minded and people that lived out in the country that were milking their cows that were Mm -hmm. gathering their eggs that were doing all these things I learned so much from the people around me Mm -hmm. and if that was to be a different narrative if I had wanted to um I don't know a good example, but live a different life Then I would have surrounded myself with people doing that. that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier a phrase, uh, golden ticket. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've, I have, a, I don't know if it's the same meaning for you, but for me, I like the, the golden ticket or I call it my golden paycheck, but same, same is the reason why I do something. Mm-hmm. It's like the feeling I get, uh, you know, that just juices me the most. So for you, what is your, what is your golden paycheck or your golden ticket that when you go, you sit back and you go, ah, 
this is why I do what I do. I love this. Well, what is that for you? You know, it's so different when, and I come back to the, the fact that I'm a Gemini and I have, I have that feeling when I'm out with my animals doing certain things that are, are so rewarding and that's completely isolated from the day-to-day world, you know, and that could be milking my cow and, and making new recipes and doing things like that. But then at the same time, I get that with acting. So it depends, you know, there's yeah, yeah, two, two different, different worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I'm on set, it's when I fully understand a story and I feel like I can execute it in the best way that was intended for that. Because of course, on Heartland, I don't write the stories. And so when I get a script, I say, okay, so what is the true meaning of this? And how am I going to take my character from point A to point B and tell this story so the audience fully embraces it and comes on this journey with me? Mm. Right. So if I can pull that off, that's my my golden ticket in yeah. the acting world. Yeah. And then to contrast that when I'm just out, I, I can be out with the animals for a full day. And it's very rewarding when I'm cleaning pens and like doing doing the gritty stuff really is is something that makes me feel the best. It's that physical work that you put in. And, and that's why those two jobs are so contrasting to Mm -hmm. one another because acting is very mental and I feel like the the physical work I do on the farm is the exact opposite of that it's I don't want to say mindless but it takes me you know I'm not thinking about anything else when I'm doing it it's present it's I'm just present in the moment and it's just that that but acting is that way too is it not Acting is very mental, though, for me. Is it mental for you? But yeah. aren't you not present as well? Aren't You're you? very present, for sure. But yeah. it's it's not physical. Sometimes so it, it can be. <laughs> but most, I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Most of the time it's not. <laughs> um, let's say when I get home from a day at Heartland, I'm not physically exhausted, but I'm mentally, mentally exhausted. Carrie James and I when, talked about this, too. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. So when I, when I come in from a day of working on the farm, yeah. I'm physically exhausted, but I'm it. not mentally exhausted. Yeah. You can also be uh, emotionally exhausted too mm-hmm. if it's a big a day of emotional scenes on on yep. the show or acting and whatnot. That can oh, be also sure. be a, a part of it too. Yeah. You talked about stepping outside. Uh, you know, if you feel called to do something, you feel you know to move away from home. Mm-hmm. How does Amber Marshall deal with fear? How do you overcome mm-hmm. issues in your life, situations, circumstances where you're like, I'm feeling fearful in, in this situation? How do you move through that? You know, for me. It's not so much about fear as it is about being uncomfortable. Okay. Um, I've never really had a fear of, and I don't know if that's just because uh, I've never had a very dramatic situation in my life that has created fear. I've been very lucky to have a beautiful life. And I think for me, it's the insecurity of the unknown. So moving away from home, it's like, what does this look like? Mm-hmm. I've never done this before. And I guess just trusting in your instincts, uh, your body, in my opinion, will always let you know when something is not right. And so listening to that is really important for me. And there's things that I've learned over the years, you know, not to, to bite off more than I can chew is one. Mm-hmm. There was a time when I had a whole lot of animals and I always, my biggest thing is I don't have any help on the farm other than my husband because I, if I bring an animal home, it's my responsibility. And that's always been my thinking. I'm not bringing animals home for someone else to look after. So if I bring in 10 horses, I'm looking after 10 horses. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a time when, um, 
I <laughs> I brought home too many animals. <laughs> I created <laughs> really? a... Really? How did that happen? <laughs> imagine that. I created a workload that was beyond what I was capable to do and still maintain a healthy living, mm-hmm. right? I feel like you can, you can push yourself and you can push yourself and you can do it, but are you healthy? Yeah. And so that, and that's, what's really difficult about our occupation, about what I do on Heartland is the fact that I could be so busy for four five, six months of the year. And then I could be doing nothing for six months of the year. And not that I ever do nothing, but at the same time, you know, I, I might have the means to look after 47 animals during the winter months, but then our season starts up and I'm working 14, 15 hours a day on set. And all of a sudden my time is limited. So what do you so do? That's the thing is I used to overwork myself, but now, uh-huh. now I understand that balance and having a, a healthy commitment in both my work life and my personal life you know I want to make sure that not only do I have enough time to put into what I'm doing on screen and make sure that I'm rested and that I'm eating right and that I have enough time to put all my sticky notes in my binder and (laughs) and feel prepared for the day but also when I come home I have enough time and energy to dedicate to my husband, mm-hmm. to my animals, and that right across the board, I have that balance, and then I get enough sleep at night as well. So it, it's just, it's learning that, and then again, that's just trial and error. Yeah, it's life um, too. We don't know until we push ourselves, yeah. and so that's that whole idea of of pushing past your boundaries, and, and for some people, that is fear. You know, I don't want to take on that other job because I'm afraid I might not be able to do it the way I want to be able to do it, or, or, or whatever you may be. Yeah going through do you have a fear of failure no no that's something i i kind of i knew the answer to that question (laughs) before i asked it but the reason i asked it is because a lot of people do Mm -hmm. a lot of people struggle with oh i don't want to try this because i don't want to fail you know what i like failing and so talk about that why do you like failing i I feel like it it shows us a we're human right and and nobody's perfect yeah and that's one thing i love about this life we're living is that Every time we fail, and I don't see it as a failure, so I don't even want to use that word, but every time we don't meet the expectations that we put out for ourselves, it shows us that there's room to grow, you know? And I I think anyone who says, yeah, I can do that, no problem, and they always succeed, they don't really check in with themselves, and they don't understand that there's growth to be had our entire lives, and we don't, we don't ever know all the answers. You know, we don't ever come to a spot in our life where we can say, yep, I did everything perfectly. And I think that that's so important. I think that as humans, we need to continually be pushing ourselves. We need to be um, just setting new, and not that I, I'm really a goal setter. I wouldn't say that I am, but I think that you always have to strive for something that makes you happy. And as you continue to reach that point, then there's this this self-satisfaction that just really kind of... Satisfaction? I think you mean satisfaction? Satisfaction. (laughs) That's a new word. Amber Marshall just made it up. I love it. (laughs) Satisfaction. <laughs> uh, it's gonna. Be, there's a lot of. I know what you're trying to say. Yes. Satisfaction. Yes. So growing beyond your comfort yeah. zone really brings yes. you that satisfaction because satisfaction, you're growing. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And so, um, for me, failure. I'll say that word is is something that is just part of living. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like if you look at a pack of wolves, they don't take down the elk every time they go after it. 
But what does that do? That drives them to be more uh, in line with each other, more a team, yeah. more... And what I love about this is you've linked it back to animals <laughs> and you can see how much in your operating system you've mm -hmm. looked at nature and you've learned from nature and you've applied that to your life where so many people, they look at, you know, traditional TV or media mm -hmm. and they see all these people always, the hero always wins or in yeah. this reality show, this person always has everything, you know, th that they They're want. They're always so put together. They're and always so put together. That's one of the problems with social media these days too, is the fact that people only show the highlight, well, they call it a highlight reel, right? Yeah. The, they only show the perfect situation. They don't show all the messy stuff in yeah. between. And because everybody's looking for validation, yes. everybody's looking for praise. And like, you don't want to show your stumbling and your, you know, your trial and error of life because it's like, well, they're what they really want is someone to say, you're amazing. You're great. Mm -hmm. Look at how great you are. So they post all the highlights trying to get all that attention. Right. But really it's like, you can't, we, we were talking about this earlier. If, if you don't accept, acknowledge, appreciate, love yourself, nothing outside of you is ever going to fill that void. And social media is like that drug that you think that if you just get enough likes, if mm -hmm. you just get enough followers, it's true. that then you're going to feel satisfied. Then you're going to feel okay with yourself. Well, and, it's not going to happen. And honestly, Graham, I've been caught up in that too. Like, I feel like it's really hard as a human being to distance yourself from that that need almost, it's almost like a drug. And with my social media, I've felt that at certain times too, right? It's like, oh, I just want to get to a certain number of followers. And, and even though I'll never vocalize that, it's something that it's this, this inner thought that we have. And I feel like it, it goes back to that human need for um, the pat on the back or yep. the, you know, you're doing great. <clears throat> You've just made it to 500,000 yeah. followers. Yeah. And, and our, our, um, our world has created this atmosphere that calls to that. And it, it's very volatile yeah. and it's not sustainable either. I mean, people now are, and this goes back hundreds of years. As, as long as humans have been on this earth, there's always been that need to um, show our worth whether that is bringing home the buffalo or, you know, just to contribute, yeah. just to contribute to yeah. being the great warrior, yeah. to being the, we've always been, and, and I'm, I'm going to say that that's not just true for humans, but that's true for, I'm going back to the animal kingdom as well, right? You want to be seen as valued. Yeah. You want to be seen as, as contributing. And so I, I don't know that that's an, uh, um, I don't think that that's an unhealthy idea. No, I think it's when you come from a place of lack. So if you come from a place of I'm not good enough unless I uh, have enough followers or bring home right. the bacon or whatever the case may be, then I'm nothing. I think that's where it becomes unhealthy. I think everybody naturally wants to contribute and to, to share their value and to share their, their skills with the world, the passions. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes from a place of lack of, of I'm, I'm no good or I'm worthless unless I do this, right. I think that... that uh, is the seed, is the soil that your actions come from. And if it's coming from a place of lack, it's going to color your actions. It's going to color how you show up, how you post, how you do your job. And uh, that's my opinion is that I think that if you come from that place of acceptance and love um, for yourself, then what you do, even when you want to show your value, is coming from that filled up glass, glass is full mm -hmm. place, you know? And I think those gifts, those talents, those... Um, value that you add to the world from that place is much more sustainable mm -hmm. in that sense. Cause you're not craving that, uh, that attention hit, you know, that, that 
spike oh, I, I fully of dopamine. Agree. <laughs> and, no, but it's, and in the industry that we're in, we see so much of that. You know, that look at me, um, here, here I am doing this, here I am doing that. And, and I feel like the world seems to idolize this celebrity mentality too, right? It's like, oh, they can do no wrong because they're on TV or they're perfect because they're on TV. And I think it's so important, especially with young people who are so impressionable to be able to show that we aren't all perfect and yeah. that's that's good. Yeah. You know, we don't need to be perfect. Yeah. And to go through and explore different ideas and to know that we're all on this journey together, you know, and, and we we pick different paths and we explore things that sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't, and that's okay. And when they don't work out, it just teaches us lessons to move forward in a direction that that is different from that because we've learned, okay, that that way didn't work. Yeah. So let's try something new. Yeah. I wanted to roll back just to what you said about, you know, all the followers and, and such, you know, you know, that unconscious sort of need to have more. I was thinking about that the other day and I was thinking, you know what, I would rather have, you know, 50 followers that really connected with me and connected with the content that I produced and that I genuinely impacted their lives mm -hmm. than any, like any more. Like, I don't care how many, I would rather impact people at a deeper level and have a deeper connection with a far, far fewer followers mm -hmm. or whatever than a whole bunch of people at a very minuscule surface level of I connection. You know, yeah. again, another thing that you said about what you love about telling a good story, your golden ticket. I wanted to ask you this back then, but I'm going to bring it into this as well. I'm assuming that you would also say that telling that story, honoring that truth of that story gives you that golden ticket feeling. Do you get that from watching it yourself or from an audience member sharing with you that they really impacted their life? Yeah, more so from the audience member. From an sharing, audience member, you know, yeah. And it's, it's so interesting what we do and, and you don't realize the impact until you start hearing these stories. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing this show for 14 years, and so there's a lot of stories to be told, both on the side of Heartland and then also to be shared with the viewing public as well. And to be able to go to appearances and events and have those stories told to me is, at first, I was blown away. you know, And I still am blown away, but I, I didn't realize the reach. I didn't realize the impact of the stories that we tell on the show and how they really resonate with people and how they go so far as to to pull people together or, or out of a really troubling time. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just the things that, you know, we do what we do because we love it. But I know when I first got into acting, I never thought about what an impact what I did would have on people you never even people get to I've meet. never met. Yeah. And so that, that's a reality that when I first heard those stories and those ideas from people that have watched the show and said, you know, this helped me overcome this, I all of a sudden went, wow, this is so much bigger than I ever even realized yeah. it was. That's, to me, is my golden ticket. Like, you know, I get fan letters. People write me a letter and say, I was able to heal my relationship with my father or mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, and, you know, a, a healing of some sort. Those are the ones that really impact me the most. Mm -hmm. And I sit back and I'm like, that's why I do what I do, man. If I can touch somebody else's soul and their life can, you know, they go through something that was a, the, the show, the storyline, the character that I play was in some way a catalyst, uh, a pause to reflect and to go, you know what, I'm going to reach out and try and heal this part of my, my life. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't, don't even pay me. Like put a roof over my head and some food in the fridge. I'm happy to do that yeah. for free because it, it, it means so much to me to be able to impact someone's life, to bring them 
back to a, an inner calm, an inner peace, and a journey home to healing. Because from that place, it's like, oh my God. When you, when you go through trauma and you don't think it can ever be healed, and then something happens in your life, you see a movie, you see a TV show, a friend does something for you, and you, you have a new perspective, you find healing again. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like a, a, a rebirth. You get, mm -hmm. a, you get a reinvigoration of life, and it comes back, and, and a false belief system of like, oh, my life's always going to be like this, is now changed. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is like the most beautiful, beautiful thing that you can... That's, that's what I love doing. And all the things, even with this podcast, you know, the podcast is called The Time Has Come, and it's about stepping outside into the unknown and moving beyond what is in your comfort zone and how do you do that. And I love asking people, you know, different types of questions and diving into who they are and how they move outside of that because we can get so easily trapped in an identity, in a, in a world that is not the best for us, mm -hmm. but yet we think it's safe. Mm -hmm. And so we stay there. But it, I feel like the walls will shrink in and it's when you try new things like you, you have mm -hmm. always done throughout your whole life. I always, every time I talk to you, you, you've tried something new, you're learning something new. And I always was inspired by that because you weren't afraid to try new things. And that's where you grow. That's where you expand. That's where you feel more life. And it might be scary. It might be, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not comfortable with this. But that's where you feel alive. Mm -hmm. that's, where, that's what life is about. And I love about your operating system is that you tune into nature and you watch nature and you learn from nature and then you integrate that into your operating system. And so many, you know, self-help books and things that I've read, I'm like, it's all out in nature. It's <laughs> it all there. there. All no wonder Amber doesn't like to read books. <laughs> she just looks at nature because <laughs> that's what I read. I read all these self-help books. I love all these stuff because I love learning about myself. Mm -hmm. And then I meet you and, and you're, you're all about that, but you're not reading these books. Mm -hmm. You're watching animals. You're watching life. And that's what I love about life too, is that it, the, 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 the secrets are out there. Oh yeah. They're all there. And for someone like yourself, it's like they're in the interactions well, of your animals. And why do you think our ancestors yeah. have all the answers? Yeah. It's because they <laughs> it's paid attention <laughs> to everything around them. And I think this world has become so caught up in social media and screens and, you know, confining our world, so to speak. Mm -hmm. you know, Controlling. They say, well, they say that the internet opens us up and it, it brings us all together. But in a way, you know, it's, it's limiting our interaction with the world around us. And that's what's so important. And especially for you, and, and I encourage this to, to anyone, you know, young and old, like get outside and just pay attention to the world happening because every single second of the day, it's still going on, whether you're on your phone or not. And if you just decide to tap into that, like you said, the secrets are all there and they're not secrets. They're yeah. right there. But you have to have that mindset. You right. have to be open to it. That's right. You have to take the time. If you're just walking by, well, where's the secrets? I, I have to, you know, I'm, <laughs> in, I'm really true. pissed off in my relationship. This tree's not telling me anything right and now. And you know what? I am so lucky that that, that was in me from a young child. You mm -hmm. know? And I think that's why I stress that. Because I feel like when we're young, that's really when we develop a lot of our own um, ideas and, and, and program that kind of help guide us through yeah, life. it right? is. Your operating system and is built. Yeah. And so I was so fortunate as a child. And this was partly my own calling too, because I didn't want to be inside. You know, if, if my parents had to turn on the TV and said, sit down on the carpet and watch a show, I'd be like, no thanks, see ya. <laughs> well, like I said, I, yeah, I had the, the little girl down the street knocking on my door with a Barbie and I said, just not for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to just experience what I want to experience. And everybody has their own um, ideas of, of what 
they enjoy or or how they learn. You know, some people read lots of books. Some people watch different types of television shows. And I think for me, it was just always from day one. I just I wanted to absorb the world that was happening around me. I love in that. Present time. I love that so much. Let's talk a bit about um, Ty and Amy's relationship over mm-hmm. the years. One of the things that I really liked about working with you is the communication we had about how we wanted to portray yes. the Ty and Amy relationship. And there were some scenes earlier on. I can't even remember what the scene was about, but I remember us having a conversation. And it, there was some sort of sexual innuendo or there was some sort of pushing of the boundary. And we both looked at each other and we were just kind of like, we don't want to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Like we want to have, we want to portray a different type of relationship that's not in your face about this stuff. That's mm-hmm. more... Um, Based on respect Respect. And love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And understanding. Yeah, and I remember... You know, I was so grateful in that moment that you felt that same way. And then we turned to the director and we just said, hey, we want to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who was directing, but they were they were like, oh, well, it says this. And, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who, who, who is directing. But often directors are kind of like, well, I got to follow what the, yeah, stri- it says in the script. <laughs> it says in the script. We have to do, do this. this. <laughs> and we were both like, no, this is what we want to do. And we shot it that way. And that kind of shaped how we decided to portray the relationship. So for you, what was really important for you to express through your acting through Amy in, in the relationship that you wanted to share with fans? What did you want them to get from the relationship? Well, something that is almost unheard of is a TV relationship lasting over a decade. You know, that's something that very few Well, Ty and Amy did break up quite a bit. That is true. <laughs> but, you know, it's still, it's still a relationship between two people yeah. that have been together for over a decade, whether they're intimately together or not. And that is such a unique story to be told. And not a lot of people get that opportunity. So I'm so grateful to be able to show the longevity mm-hmm. of a relationship and to show that there are ups and downs. It's not always perfect, like we said. And, and you can't be afraid of the days that it's not perfect. And you have to stay with it. And I think that that's the biggest thing that fans have taken away from the Amy and Ty relationship is that there's been lots of times when Amy and Ty could have just said, you know what, I'm done. We're going to go our separate ways. But what was interesting was the fact that they said, okay, we're going to work this out. And, you know, whatever we are going through, we're going to work it out. Mm-hmm. And that's so valuable, especially in today's society when and you and I referenced this a little bit earlier too. It's like, it's so easy just to say things are hard. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's, that is not, that's never going to be rewarding in the long term. You know, the true reward comes from the work, the time, the effort, and sometimes the pain. Yeah. But if you push through it, that's when you get your greatest reward. And that's, you know, one of my favorite things is, and I'm smiling just picturing this right now, is when you see a couple that has been together for years and years and years, you know, I'm picturing a, a 70, 80-year-old couple sitting on a park bench holding hands. And you know that life hasn't always been easy for them. You know, you know that they have been through a lot of ups and downs. But they they got through it because it takes work and it takes all of this emotion that you have to lay out on the table and be open to it. And it also takes uh, a mutual respect and understanding and love. Definitely. And if there isn't that respect and love and understanding and it's Mm one-sided, we're not talking about that. We're talking about when both people are respectful, love each other, and they go through hard times because there are relationships that are not respectful, that are not mutual, 
And those relationships, you don't want to just push through because it's no. abusive or there's a, a line being crossed. You know, we're talking about a we're relationship. We're talking about Amy and Ty. We're talking about Amy and Ty. Who have, who have always had yeah. that respect, that love, that understanding. And uh, this is, it's such a, a cool idea for people to be able to see this relationship as, as a guide, I guess, in life. And, and not that anyone should ever look at another person's relationship to, to feel what they want in theirs. But I feel like Amy and Ty were both very young when mm -hmm. they met and they got together. And so there was a lot of learning and growing because they were both learning and growing as people. And there was things that needed to happen. Amy went off to Europe. Ty went off to Mongolia. There was, there was a lot of things that happened in their lives that they had to go on a solo adventure to fulfill needs in their own life. But the best thing about that was that they were each supportive of one another on that journey. You know, they didn't say, no, you can't go because I'm not letting you or, mm -hmm. or I'm going to come with you because I need to be there. <laughs> it, it was, um, yeah. and that's what is so beautiful yeah. about the Amy and Ty story yeah. is the fact that they are always supportive of each other. And you know, if it, it's a TV show. I have to say this. This is not a real couple. Yeah. So we have to remember that there does need to be drama created to make a story exciting, you know? And, and also to give us, you know, uh, to me, it's all about a spiritual lesson. So mm -hmm. it's, it's about a, a what you can learn from. And if, if you just made a show about regular life, you know, something might not happen. You might have years of, you know, and no, there would be no, there'd, be no, there'd be no growth. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So the way I see drama and the way I see TV is there's a fine line between creating drama for the sake of a commercial break or drama mm -hmm. for the sake of drama and creating drama for a, a character's growth or evolution. You know what I'm saying? Like that to me, I'm like, yeah, all day, give it to me. But if you create drama that you don't, <laughs> you're laughing right now. I don't even want to, what you're laughing at. What are you laughing at? <laughs> this horse is blind. <laughs> like just, you're just making me think of all the like dramatic, like Ending before commercial, commercial breaks. breaks. <laughs> but there is a sense of TV is so there's, there's a bit of a structure like that sometimes. Reality yeah. in a lot of ways. And sometimes just watching a, a normal relationship unfold is not interesting. Yeah. You well, know? it's condensed. That's what uh, that's what I like about TV and movies and film and such is that it is like dreamlike. And in a dream, mm -hmm. you everything happens. Dreams so aren't quickly. boring. Well, no, they're not. There, there's always something happening or something really weird happening. Yeah. Because to me and from what I've learned is that dreams are there. You're, they're your own personal myths. They're your own personal metaphors of like something you're processing or a movie you just watched before you went to bed and now it's stuck in your head and you're mm -hmm. trying to process those images or those feelings. So I think of TV that same way as we are, we are dreaming in life, in real life for people to watch, to, to experience a hyper reality, to learn something, to feel something, mm -hmm. to go through something. So yeah, things happen, but it's not real. That's right. And let's talk a bit about that because, you know, back in the day when people would do theater plays or whatever, and, and they would come out on stage after the play was over and they'd all take a bow and they'd take yeah. off their costumes or whatever and be like, oh, brilliant, brilliant actors, brilliant. Yeah. In television today... We don't have that. We don't the, take off the clothes. We don't take off the clothes and say, hey, guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's interviews and such like that. But when you have a show that's been going on for 14 years mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of people just see those characters. Well, and not only that, I just have to step in and say that a lot of us are so similar to the characters. And there's that too. We play on Heartland. So that reality is not altered all that much. You know, people see my social media. They see that I'm out riding horses on my weekends. And so they believe that I am Amy. Yeah. And yes, there's a lot of similarities between me and my character. But it's a character. And these scripts are written and developed for 
me to p- portray this character. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot of uh, people get caught up in this altered reality and they believe, you know, they're, they're watching, they've been watching Heartland for 14 years, some of the viewers. So that's a long time to be connected with a family, with a group of people that they tune in every Sunday night and say, okay, I'm sitting down with my Heartland family. And we feel so comfortable around each other too, because we've been working together for 14 years. So we sit down at a dinner scene and we feel like we really are a family because Mm -hmm. we know each other so Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And I think that that also creates even more realism. Yeah. Which is what, what, you know, all actors want Mm -hmm. everybody, all the creators, actresses and and actors and directors and all the creative types that come together. We all want it to feel real Mm -hmm. because just like a dream, we want people to be able to step into it and experience it. And I think the really interesting thing, the phenomena of television is that in no other circumstance would we stare at someone's face that closely and watch them go through something Mm -hmm. emotional or upsetting or whatever if we didn't know them. Right. So there is a psychological hack going on in people's brains, myself included. When I watch television and I've met actors that I've seen on television, then I meet them in real life and I'm like, my brain tweaks out. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? You form a connection, an attachment, but it's a one way. Right. You, you're not communicating with that, but you, your brain in that subconscious state, as you're in that trance watching the show, your brain is making connections as if you know these people. And that's a, a fascinating phenomena that I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just starting to learn about myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, And it's kind of like, I get why people uh, naturally fall into a relationship with this fictitious family on Heartland because they spend so much time in their attention looking at, focusing on, and then enjoying and feeling those stories. And being so emotionally connected. And being emotionally connected. And that's like you were just saying too, you know, we as humans don't get the opportunity unless it's people that we're very, very close with to see characters breaking too, right? When you're watching a show, you see them at their most vulnerable time. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not something that as humans we're given an opportunity unless we're really, really close with that person. Right. So right. when you're watching someone break emotionally, mm-hmm. you all of a sudden have this connection to them like no other. Yep. Right? And so that's where you fall into that, that world of, of, yeah, just being so connected with someone, like you said, that you may have never met. You may have never met. Yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon. And, um, you know, every time I meet somebody uh, that has recognized me from the show, I can see what's going on in their brain. I can mm-hmm. feel it. Some people recognize me. They see me as a human being. It's <laughs> a <like> Graham. <laughs> and other people will say like, uh, take off your hat. And, you know, like, I want you to look like Ty or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I, it's always it's always a little I have to have compassion because I understand, you know, that they're excited to see the, the human being that plays this character. But also I'm it, it, there's moments where I'm kind of sit back. And, oh, that's too bad because I would have really liked to have met you and you mm-hmm. to have met me. And that's what I always strive for when I meet people is to just be like, hey, I'm a human being. I would love to get to meet you if you would actually love to get to meet Graham, you know, because I think that's important for to kind of take that bow or to to kind of give that thanks to take off the costume, so to speak, in other people's eyes so that I don't want to be put on a pedestal. I don't Mm want to be treated differently. We're real people. We're we're real people. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, I'll leave it at that. But I want to ask you a couple more questions and then we'll wrap up here. What is Amber's highest held values? What are your highest held values in life? What do you put up there as say, these are my values that I will not compromise on? I feel respect is my top value. Yeah. You know, I, I don't feel like you can truly care about someone or care about anything, whether that be something uh, you're doing, you know, a job or anything, if you don't respect it. 
So that goes with animals. I'll go back to that. You know, I, I have to respect the relationships I have with my animals. I have to respect the relationship I have with my husband, with my friends, with my coworkers. So that, I think, sits on top of everything. Uh, I also believe that compassion is up there, too. And, and that kind of goes hand in hand with respect. But I feel like you have to be compassionate to situations, to how... Uh, people around you are are living or doing their business, even though you might not agree with it. You have to understand that that's their journey. Mm-hmm. And I also think, above all, I'm going to say, you do you. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. I, it's like a lot of people have different views on everything. And I think when you learn to respect the journey that you're taking, and it might be different from somebody else's journey, but you respect that they're doing what they're doing as long as you can see that they're doing it for healthy reasons, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I have people in my life that I might sit down with them and say, you know, are you happy? Is this something that you really want to be doing? Uh, because sometimes it takes a person outside of the situation to kind of wake you up and say, hey, you know, snap out of it. Like, yeah. is, this, is this what you really want? Yeah. And so I think it's a good idea to push those around you and to question them. Um, but at the same time, respect, respectfully, respect them. Yeah. And there's a difference between, you know, if I think, oh, they're crazy. Why are they doing that? But when they can explain it to you in a way that makes sense for their journey, then I respect that. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's the difference. I think some people in my life, I, I do have to question what they're doing. But when they can give me that answer and know why they're doing it then I respect that. If they can't, if they're like, I don't know if I'm just Mm. too scared to do anything else, then I will push them in different ways and and try to offer ideas and and just because again, like you said, you know, we're all, we have that insecurity, we have that fear of failure, we have all these things. And I think that it's important as human beings that we bring each other together and we say, no, you you can do this or or you need to try. And so above all, um, the principles that guide me, I think, would be those things I mentioned. I, I very much am a family person. I very much care about my my inner circle, so to speak. I'm, I'm very protective of my family, my animals, and all of those things. And so when it comes down to it, it's when I respect those around me, I, I love them. And uh, and that's that's what it's ultimately above, about, is love and respect. Beautiful. Beautiful. So my last question that I always ask people, Uh-oh. and you can change your answer because I know I've asked you this like many times. Oh, oh you have? Okay, now I'm... I've, I've asked you this question many times. My well, you magic, haven't asked the question yet, so the, I don't know what you're asking. The, the magic <laughs> magic painting question. Oh. It's my magic painting question. Oh. This is... I'm, well, maybe I ha- I'm no, pretty sure have, I've asked you this many times. a long time ago. Yeah, like yeah. years ago. So do you remember when we were sitting on set outside the Heartland Barn and yeah. it was with Devorah? <laughs> I remember I remember the exact <laughs> wow. day that this I came up with this question. Was because, it raining? Was it no, sunny? No, it was sunny. Okay. It was sunny. And this was before like social media and cell phones were like a big thing because nobody. And we used to actually sit and we would talk. talk. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, and we were just sitting around bored, and we were talking. I was like, oh, I'm so bored right now, and this question popped into my head. And the question goes like this: I'll ask it to you. If in your house, Amber, you could have a magic painting on your wall, and any time you looked at it, you could feel any feeling you wanted to feel, to any degree that you wanted to feel it. Uh-huh. What? feeling would you choose and what kind of color or painting would you want Mm. i don't even remember what my initial answer was if you asked this but mine's changed over the years so yours can change too (laughs) um i think the feeling i would want to get would 
be contentment because I feel like when you're content you can experience all the other range of emotions that bring you joy you know when you're you're content you can laugh you can smile you can be warm you can be happy you can also be sad you can be whatever you need to be in that moment because you're content and I think that's what I strive to do um, at the end of every day you know I, I wrap my day up <laughs> sitting out with the chickens or, or sitting out in a field of horses and I just feel content. And so if I had something that could make me feel that, because again, I think that we're always striving to, to do the next best thing or to be busy or to be, oh, you know, I didn't accomplish this today and I, I feel like I should have. And when you feel content, none of that matters, mm. right? So I, I think that, because if I had to say I, I had to live downtown for a little while or something. And if I could look at that painting and feel content, then it wouldn't matter mm. because I'm content where I am. Mm. Beautiful. Um, so I think that's the feeling. Uh, colors, I love, I'm just going to go with kind of my favorite colors. I love purple and I love blue and I love when they like swirl together. That's my favorite color is like a splash of blue. So maybe I'm thinking more of like, um, Oh, like um, the Northern Lights. Okay. Let's say that. Yeah, so yeah, my yeah, painting like kind of looks like, so there would be a splash of green in there and like, just like the sky would be kind of blue and purple with a, a little bit. So like, Beautiful. We'll, we'll call it Northern Lights. Northern Lights kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, so just to dive a little bit deeper here, for someone who's never experienced that type of contentment before, the type mm. of contentment that you love to feel, mm -hmm. how would you explain that to them? How does it feel in your body? Oh, I'm sure it's probably different for everyone, right? Um, for myself, it's that moment where your mind goes quiet and you're not thinking about, oh, did I, you know, take the trash out or did I put the car in park <laughs> or like anything? There's nothing in your mind. Mm. You're just there. Everything's still. And it's a warmth. I would say contentment for me is like sitting by a nice cozy crackling fire with a blanket on you know you're just you're just there you're in the moment and you don't feel anything other than just bliss I guess and <laughs> I sound like I love it That's I sound great. like I do a lot of drugs or something and I don't <laughs> but it, it's just this it's just this this warmth that comes over you and you just feel happy Beautiful. Well, I feel that. And I, I love that feeling. So that's a great one. And I, I thank you for sharing that because that is, you know, when you are content, like you said, I completely agree with you. Nothing else. None of those things matter. You're like, mm -hmm. I'm content. I'm happy. And from that place, you're full. Mm -hmm. You're free. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Amber, thank you so much. Season 14 oh. is coming out. Season premiere is tomorrow. I'm hoping I can get this episode. <laughs> we're, we're recording it beforehand, but hopefully we're going to air it on Saturday before the, the season premiere of season 14. So everybody, mm -hmm. check that out. CBC. CBC. Sunday at 7. CBC Jam. Sunday's at 7. 7.30. <laughs> 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 Is there anything else, Amber, you want to share with people? No, I, um, think, I think this was so nice just to be able to talk. And, and one of the things that um, I really enjoyed about this podcast was the fact that it was just us chatting and there was no visual aspect to it. And, and I, I say that because so many people are used to seeing us visually on screen. And I think that there there's something about just being able to, um, <laughs> I'll go back to that warm blanket of, of just sitting down and absorbing and hearing people chat openly 
and not have that that exposure, I guess, of of being able to see any human. Um, I'm not going to say insecurities, but when when people know that they're on camera, sometimes oh, yeah, we talked about this. They they change their well, physicalities. We're, we're aware of cameras, you know, yeah. angling and stuff totally. because you have to be on set. You're kind of programming yourself totally. And when, when you know that you're just there in the moment, speaking about things that you're passionate about, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's that's so important. And I hope that the listeners that are listening in really kind of get a feel for who we are yeah. because they know us as Amy and Ty, many of them. And um, I think that it's nice just to kind of to hear the, the person behind mm-hmm. that character. Mm-hmm. And, and audio only is, you know, I've had people say that about this podcast, you know, because people have asked me, oh, you know, when are you going to add video? And I thought about adding video and I was like, I do want to add it, but I don't want it to take away from the experience that mm-hmm. I've tried to create with this audio experience, the audio only podcast, which is I want it to be calming. Mm-hmm. I want it to be kind of like this contentment feeling you're mm-hmm. talking about where people kind of settle back into themselves and they feel good. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about how, you know, would visuals add to that or is it better for people not to have visuals just to listen? I think that it would you know? take away from it because this is something and, and you may have got me on a whole new way of um, experiencing stories is through these podcasts. Because one thing that I don't enjoy is being trapped, so to speak, with a screen. Mm. And I feel like when you have visuals, you want to look at them, right? You want to look at your screen and you want to see what they're saying. But when you take that element away and you just have earphones on or or however you might be listening to this, you have that availability to walk around, to just enjoy what you're doing. Or close your eyes. Or close your eyes. And just take it in. In a world where there is so much visual around us at all times, it's just calling out to us, look at this, look at this, and everything's so, you know, 15-second clips. We want to grab your attention. We want you to look. We want you to look. <laughs> yeah. And this is this is taking it back a step and saying, you know, let's let's just remember what's important. And, and communication is very important. Yeah. And so podcasts and, and being able to um, understand how different people think and grow and learn is so valuable, but we don't need to see that. You know, we can hear these stories and that's yeah. just as powerful. Amen. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Amber. Awesome. Okay, guys. Well, we'll see you for part two because we're doing a two-parter on oh, this. Yeah. So we'll see you for part two or we'll, you'll hear us for part two. We're not going <laughs> to see anybody. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Well, that's it, everybody. That's part one of my two-part interview with Amber Marshall. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for part two on January 11th. Thanks again to Eskimotion for his song In Dreams at the intro of my podcast. Cheers, guys. See you soon.